Good morning. <clears throat> I guess that wasn't very clear, was it? Good morning. Thank you. It's always nice to know that people are awake when you're talking to them. It's amazing the difference it makes when you're trying to communicate. So there's been a little process getting to this Sunday. Uh, several weeks ago, looking at the schedule, who's going to be speaking, how we're going to lay all this out. And we were doing that series on what the world needs now. And I'm thinking, okay, does everybody understand the spiritual conflict involved in our world today? And so I started working on a series of messages on spiritual warfare, which made a lot of sense to me. And I'm working on it. And then I think I remembered an article that I had read some time ago about a pastor who every Sunday morning when he came in and they would start the service, he would get up and he would say, we're going to fight the devil today. And we're going to fight the devil today. And he would go through this whole routine and ritual that he did every Sunday. And the writer of the article said, well, who's getting the credit here? God or the devil, if that's who you're promoting, even though he was doing it in a negative fashion. I thought, okay, well, let's give me some time here. And it worked out well with the scheduling where I had some time to work and reflect and So it kind of morphed into something totally different. Yes, we are in spiritual conflict, but can we see it from a little more holistic viewpoint? So that's where I'm going today. And then we're on vacation, came back last week, and Frankie is speaking. And I thought, just got to love the Holy Spirit, how he sets this up so he can move forward in such a, uh, to me, in my mind, in my heart, a systematic fashion, because he was talking about truth. And so our title today for this message series that we're going to be doing for a little bit is Journey in Truth. And the question for all of us is, how well do we know truth? So here's the funny thing. The illustration that Frankie gave last week is the one I'm going to start my message with today because he gave the one about in the last days, and we've been talking about the last days, you will not know one season from another. Remember that? You can nod your head, it's okay, you know. So here was me. I'm 24 years old. I'm passing my first church. I'm still going to college. And one Sunday morning, one of the members of our church came to me. I was at Kingsburg Baptist Church uh, down near Florence. And she said to me, Steve, Where is it in the Bible that it says, in the last days, you will not know one season from another? And I said, well, you know, I don't know exactly where the scripture is, but I know it's in there, and I'll find it and get back to you. Now, you know how I knew it was in there? Because my granny bishop, who taught Sunday school for 50 years at First Baptist Church Malden, had told me it was in there. So it was in there. And for the young people in the room, I apologize for expressing my age, but we didn't have Google back then. I mean, you had to do it the hard way. You know, you had to read stuff and not from a screen, but from a book. And I researched and researched, read and read and read, and I could not find it. I said, oh my goodness, it must be an obscure passion, a passage that granny found somehow. And so I'm still in college at that time. My Greek professor, Carlton Winbury, was one of the top 10 Greek professors in America, privileged to, to be a student of his. So I go to Dr. Winbury. I'm an Ohio farm boy. He's a Louisiana farm boy. We hit it off. We had a good relationship. 
I said, Dr. Winbury, I said, one of my folks at the church asked me this question, and I just can't find that scripture. Would you mind helping me? He goes, oh, yeah, man. He said, yeah, I know that's in there. I'll find it. Now, this is one of the top 10 Greek professors in America in the early 70s. And he said, yeah, I know it's in there. I'll find it. A week later, he and I get back together, and he goes, it's not in there. He said, I have been taught and have believed all my life that that was in the Bible. But it's not. Instead, it's the very thing that Frankie said in Genesis where it says you'll always know the seasons. Now, it's pretty obvious if you live in a desert climate, it will be different. But the point is that God created all this. And some of the things that we have been led to believe are just not in the word of God. And so it is absolutely necessary for us to spend time in the word and we have a lot of tools to help us in our world today so Sheila and I were discussing this and she said well let me give you the one of the ones that I got when I was a child maybe some of you got this one she said as children they would whistle and she was told that it's in the bible that that women should not whistle now apparently somebody in her life didn't like the noise Because guess what? That one's not in there either. And I don't know how many of those we have that we have just assumed. Like I said, my granny bishop told me it was gospel. You know, she was the the matriarch, spiritual matriarch of the whole bishop clan. She couldn't make a mistake. Get my point. She was wrong. And I just assumed because it was her that she was right. Now, let me put something in perspective. It has been my privilege to serve Christ now for close to 50 years. And in that time, you have to understand that it is my joy that I get to serve a local church and congregation Now, what that does is it provides me the opportunity that many of you do not have. And I know that and I understand that. Every day I have time. Now, my days can get busy, but I have time that I can study and research and study and know the scripture. Now, some of you guys get up at crack of dawn or before and go to work and you work 8, 10, 12 hours. You do not have the same amount of time to do that study that I have now. That doesn't excuse anyone from reading the Bible. But it does give me an advantage that I am grateful that God has given me where I can do that. In fact, my son, who thinks he's a comedian, if he ever calls me at work, he goes, what are you doing, reading your Bible? That's all you ever do. That's how he always, you know, when he calls me. don't get to do it all the time but i do have an advantage and i am and will always be eternally grateful to god that he's allowed that and given that to me so as we think about journey and truth none of us are exempt from knowing the truth some of us i believe have a greater responsibility to know the truth But all in all, if we're sons and daughters of God, we're going to spend time in his word so we can know what he has to say to us. All right, now, 
With that being said, I'm going to walk through some scripture, several, several verses in fact, because the scripture in Colossians I'm going to read tells us where we're supposed to be going as believers and where we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be doing as a church. And then we're going to look at some scripture in Matthew that talks about what are, what are we, what's the root of this whole thing? What's, you know, what is the, what's the real issue for us as children of God? Those are going to be very familiar scripture. I am so glad they are. I hope you have already memorized them. If you've not, uh, I would encourage you to do so. And that's another thing you can do, no matter what kind of work you do. Memorizing scripture is something you we can all do. And it's an excellent tool to help know the word and then live the word. So let's get started with the scripture in Colossians. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now, this is Paul writing to the Christians at Colossae, and he's saying, I am doing what God has given me to do. That would be those of us who are serving here. We are doing what God has given us to do. Those of us who have leadership responsibility, we should be doing this. Now, along the way, will there be difficulties? And Paul says, yes, there will. And I can tell you, yes, there will. Now, I rejoice. He said, even though, even though this is what's happening, I'm rejoicing in it. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. Again, anyone who is in leadership in this church family, that is God's mandate on our lives. We are accountable to God for that and accountable to you for that as well. Now, that's a double standard. But guess what? If you don't want it, don't sign up for it. Okay? He keeps going. This is the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifest to the saints. In other words, as God has moved forward in history, he continues to reveal his truth so that his will can be accomplished on his earth. To whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So anybody in here a Gentile? Do you guys not know what you are? Uh, Let's change it. Do we have any Jews in the crowd? Okay, the rest of us are Gentile. This meaning someone who was not a Jew, okay, of other ethnic origins. So it says to all of us, here's the mystery. The mystery is that when you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's him living in you. And that's our hope of glory. Now, notice it isn't qualified. It doesn't say that's Christ in you on Sunday morning from 1030 to 12. It says that's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's Christ in you when you are at home with your family. What does that mean? 
That means that when we are home with our families, it's Christ in us. And so there should be an atmosphere of his presence. Guess how much bickering and fighting is going to be going on. Fussing and fuming is going to be going on with his presence being real. Any thoughts? Zero. They say, well, but we fight all the time. Then I have some suggestions for you. Okay, and we're going to walk through those as we do this series. But it's Christ in you. Yesterday we did Grace Marriage, and by the way, it's such an amazing ministry. I hope if you're not included or not involved, please get involved. It's, it's an incredible uh, tool, and it's also a great weapon against the enemy. Um, if you'd like to do that, we want you to do that. But the whole thing about that marriage seminars is grace. It's Christ in us because in our flesh, and we're going to talk about the unholy trinity. How many of you know the, the, unho- how many you know the holy trinity? That would be the first place to start. Okay, you know the Holy Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Well, the unholy Trinity is the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the unholy Trinity, not dealt with, will give us a lot of pain. That is absolutely unnecessary. So it's Christ in us, Christ in me, the hope of glory. But look what it says. We proclaim him, Christ, we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that so we might present every man complete in Christ. It is the church's responsibility. By the way, who makes up the church? We do. Any believer. And we're part of this local church called Chester Freedom Ministry. So any person who's here is a believer, we make up this body, and it is our God-given responsibility and pleasure to help others be complete in Him. He goes on, For this purpose also I labor, striving according to His power, which mightily works within me. Now, so it, it isn't that we do this by human effort. That's where We're going to see as we walk through this uh, process, I'm going to give you here in a little bit, where we get in trouble. It isn't that we do any of this by human effort. It is where we are in Christ. Christ is in us. The Holy Spirit of God is working in us and through us. And because of that, we can see that God will help each of us come to completeness. Now you say, wait a minute. You mean I can come to a place of completeness in Christ? You absolutely can. Does that mean that I know everything about God? You absolutely will not. But the idea behind this is that in in this progressive growth that we're in, we're at the place we're supposed to be at the time we're at. For example, we're raising children, right? Are we not blessed with kids here? Sing a hallelujah. We had a new birth this past week. Found out there's a new one on the way. If you're on Facebook, I'm sure you know who all those folks are. God just continues to bless us with kids. We celebrate that. We celebrate life. It's amazing how God does that. But when you're raising kids, you don't expect your 12-month-old to do the same thing your 12-year-old is going to do. But at the same time, you don't expect your 12-year-old to do what your 12-month-old is doing. In other words, we have in our mind a reasonable understanding of human development so that in this progressive process... We know, and of course now everybody gets tested for everything, and so we know they're at that place. That's that's what they're supposed to be. They're kind of 
in the in the normal range, as it were. The same thing happens with height and weight. You know, you take your kids to the doctor, and they're in the 90th percentile. They're not doing so well. They're down here in about 40 percentile in their growth or whatever, developmental stages. All that's being measured today. So we have in our mind a fairly normal understanding physically, mentally, and emotionally what human beings are supposed to do as they age. For whatever reason, we've somehow missed this in the church. And it's our responsibility to make sure that this doesn't get neglected. So I'm going to give the two basic things from the scripture, Matthew 22, 37 through 39. This is the great command. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. Before anything else, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, it doesn't matter if you're in full-time ministry, it doesn't matter what your vocation may be, whoever you are in Christ, the first thing is that we love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. There is nothing greater. Start right there. And secondly, is like this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, we have moved into a realm, as we've talked about in the last weeks, about the last days, where loving yourself has become more narcissism than it has become biblical, true Christian love. I shared yesterday with our group in the Grace Seminar, we're at the beach, family vacation, and this row of Young single adults were kind of down uh, in front of us. And this young lady, and I, you know, I'll have to say she was an attractive young lady. If she took one more selfie, I was going to puke. I spent a whole day of watching her go. I'm sorry, I think that's extreme. (laughs) But we aren't to love others as we love ourselves because we're supposed to have proper love for ourselves because we're in Christ and and God created us to begin with. So the first thing, before anything else, the first thing is love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and then love others. And I'm going to tell you what, if... Only this body of believers would take this to heart and actually practice it. We could change Chester County. It's fact. My fact anyway. What's the second one? And Jesus spoke to his disciples as he was getting ready to leave now. He's going back to heaven. He tells them, you wait here till the Holy Spirit comes. You'll get power. And you'll get power to fulfill this command. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So here's what I want you to do. Go. What does go mean? Yeah. It means don't sit on your butt. Okay. That's literal translation. Go therefore and make disciples. What does make disciples mean? It's back to Colossians, presenting every man complete in him. But 
here's the things I've heard. So if it fits you, I'm not accusing you. I'm just telling you what I've heard. Well, I just don't know enough. So my question back is, do you know anything? Because if you know anything, that means you know something. And if you know something, you have something you can share with somebody else. And this is what discipleship really is. Now, we... We do discipleship ministry where we use books and tools and Bible studies, and that helps kind of form it a little bit. But the truth of it is we are investing in our lives, or excuse me, investing our lives in the lives of others. It's doing life. Go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, I know we got all this stuff going on about races now. It's all nations. God's not a racist. He created all races, Okay. That's just, eh. whoever they are, they all, whoever they are, need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, which if we are in Christ, we have that good news in us and we can share that good news. If nothing else, tell them your story of how you came to know him as your personal savior. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, that being said, here's, I want to go to this slide. I'm sorry, let me finish this one. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. So I'm finishing out that command, teaching them. Again, we're all responsible here. This, you can't say, well, you know, the pastor needs to be doing that, or somebody needs to, somebody. no, we're doing it. We're all commanded by God in the power of the Holy Spirit to be doing this and be doing it consistently. It may be somebody in your home. It may be somebody at work. It may be somebody in your neighborhood, whoever they are, one of your friends. So a few years ago, we were teaching a a class on Wednesday night called Restless Church. And somebody had created a diagram that illustrated the progression of Christian experience and they had created an algorithm that gave percentages of how people did. Now, we were looking at that, and we were gonna, I was going to use it, and then kept praying over it. And Sheila and I talked about it, and we said, something's wrong with this. What's wrong with it? It was just a little too busy. And so what we did was we just backed off and just gave the list of the things on the list, which are on the diagram, which are 10 things. And notice how this plays out. So the first thing is you have people who are just absolutely ignorant of sin. You say, in our world today, listen, if you've noticed, this place isn't packed today. And every other church in Chester County is not packed today. Okay, so there are people out there who are not hearing what you're hearing today. And believe it or not, there are people out there who haven't even heard the first part of knowing Christ. So there are people, literally, who are just absolutely Ignorant of the fact that they are living in sin. And then there are those who are aware of sin, but they're indifferent. You know, okay. Yeah, I mess up. Okay, so what? We all do. And then there's who are concerned about the possible effect of sin. Or as now, as you can see, there's a progression here. And a large percentage of people actually come to the place and we're... I'm going to tell you, we are grateful to live where we live. It's not perfect by any means, but we are blessed. 
that we have the freedom that we have to share the reality of Christ with whomever we choose on any occasion. And people get concerned about the possible effect. In other words, what's going to happen? But there's an issue here. And here's the issue. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Thirteen and fourteen, the last two verses of the book of Ecclesiastes. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. So here is my prophetic utterance for this morning we in our country and in our world do not fear god it's that simple so here's a quote from oswald chambers one of my favorite dead guys if you fear god you will fear nothing else if you do not fear god you will fear everything else Let me say that again. If you fear God, you will fear nothing else. If you do not fear God, you will fear everything else. What is being used as a weapon against us in our nation today but fear? It is mind-boggling how this has been weaponized against us. And every day there's a new report of something that's going to absolutely annihilate us. And you know the sad thing is? We fall for it. Now, I'm not saying be foolish and reckless. I'm not saying go stand on a train track and say, I'm I'm only fearing God. Come on, train. We'll pick up the pieces and have your funeral. Okay. We're not talking about stupidity here. But when we truly understand who God is and we allow him the place that he is supposed to have in our lives, this other stuff will fall into a whole different level of understanding. Again, not being foolish. And, and, you know, and I know we have illustrations, even religious people, you know, the snake handlers that, you know, they handle the snake because they're, they're believing God. Well, they can believe God all they want. I'm going to believe God. Where's the new back door? I mean, why would we do stuff like that? I don't get that. But at the same time, why would we let everything in the world scare the living daylights out of us and we don't even pay God any attention? It's us. We've got, you know, we're we're the ones to do this. So this is what happens. So people get a place of concern. And then the next thing is, praise God, hallelujah, they address the sin and they accept Christ. Now we're going to come back and cover this in the next couple of weeks. But I wanted to just give you an overview this morning of how this way plays out. So they come to know Christ. You remember when you came to know Christ? Okay, about half of you are not nodding your head, so I'm going to have to change this to an evangelistic message if we don't do something better, okay? 
do you remember when you came to know Christ? Okay. Was it not amazing? I mean, for me, it was, you know, the drunken, brawling sailor to, wait a minute, a saint of God overnight? Are you kidding me? Now, don't misunderstand me. Some things had to be worked out. There were some things that wanted to linger, and God had to deal with me about those and has been working on cleaning up all my mess for 50 years now. But knowing him, and at that moment in time, I could not do enough for him. I was serving him in every possible way that I could. And that's what most of us do if we truly come to know Christ. We're looking for a place. How can I serve him? And we get involved in increased religious activity. Whatever it is. You know, for me as a new Christian on a Navy vessel, it was starting a Bible study. And we had guys that would come and study the scripture. And it was just, it was, it was life giving, but it was also an amazing challenge because we had everybody in the Bible study. We had no discretion about who was supposed to be in. We, we didn't care. You know, if they wanted to come, they came. They could be pagan. They could be Catholic. They could be Protestant. They could be Jewish. We didn't care. Come on, we're going to figure this thing out. And we did. It was great. So we get involved in things, but then something weird happens. There's a, a holy discontent. You might call it a burnout. And people get burned out. And guess what happens when that happens? They walk away from the things of God. Now, that doesn't mean they've lost their salvation if they've truly been saved. But it means they, they can't handle the pressures of Sometimes it's mostly people that cause the problems, and sadly, it's been leadership at times as well, for sure. But they fall away from being involved in the body of Christ. And that is a huge, huge part of truly knowing Christ. I, these guys, and if you're here in the room, I'm, on, I'm just going to say as plain as I know, these guys who come to me and say, yeah, I don't need to church. Man, me and God, we got it on, and we have the best times, and, and I just don't need the body of Christ. Well, <clears throat> there's a couple problems with that. The first one is you haven't read this, because that's not what it says. It says, do not forsake the assembling together. And secondly, if you continue to isolate yourself from the rest of the body, guess what? Your flame goes out. It's like putting logs on a fire. And it just, it just dies out. And that is not the will of God. That is not the way of God. But sadly, that happens. And we're going to come back and look at this because this is where there's a lot of spiritual warfare involved that people don't recognize. But then there are those who keep going. And they move into an area of brokenness. And that's when it starts getting sweet. But everybody didn't get there. And then there's a surrender and submission. And it wasn't that it wasn't tried back here. It just didn't have all that it needed at the moment. And then this profound love connection with God. This is, you know, when you think about this, when God is drawing us in, how sweet that is. And then finally, 
just the extreme love for others because there's so much of God in me, so much of God in us, it flows out to others. So now, I know that I'm holding information from you, but this was a survey done with 15,000 people and it was based on 100 people. Okay, you got that? Survey of 15,000, all this came from, and the percentages, the algorithm they did, and was based on 100 people. So at the end of it, at number 10, out of 100 people, how, what percentage do you think made it there? Ooh, that's pretty good. It's actually 0.5. But if you put profound love connection with God, which is 0.5, and extreme love for people, 0.5, one person out of a hundred. We got to do better. And we are going to do better. But when I say we, <laughs> guess who I'm including? All of us. Because we're all a part of this. And we're just going to prayerfully, carefully walk through this over the next few weeks. And just and, and what I would ask you to do, you know, take a picture of this, whatever you want to do. But take this and go to God. You go to God and say, God, where am I in this? Where, where am I in this process? Now, if you're one of those who's in that first part that you don't really know Christ, please, I would ask you, even before you leave this building today, find another person it can be me or one of the other elders deacons ushers we have amazing people here and just say help me understand how i can have that relationship with god and then one of the things that we try to do here if you've noticed or not noticed we don't put people into service say you just you know you're here you know christ you got to serve now don't misunderstand me let me get in trouble here because i'm gonna do this on purpose if you have kids here in our church Serve in the kids' ministry. Nursery, Freedom Kids, whatever. There's no free passes. Some of you are taking it. I'm reprimanding you, to, reprimanding you today. Stop it. You say, well, I'll just go to another church. I love you, but you're here, and you have children. You're part of the children's ministry. It just works out that way. Okay? Well, nobody jumped up and ran out, so that's good. So you may not come back, and that would be bad. But this is how we do it as a family, where there's this honesty and integrity and transparency. We're all here, and we're all going to serve in some capacity. But again, I want to make the point, we don't demand you do certain things unless there are very specific applications, like if you have children, you help with the children. That's how this works. So, take some time, please, this week. Take a picture of this, whatever you want to do. We'll leave it up even after the, uh, when I get done here. And just take some time with God. And say, where am I? And maybe you've been bouncing back and forth on some of this stuff. But whatever God, the Holy Spirit, tells you, then begin to press in on, okay, he's... He wants us to a place of completion. Place of completion is where we get to that place 
Or we, we're so in love with God that we can't help but love other people because he created all those folks. And that's how it works. All right. So let's pray. Would you stand as we pray, please? Holy God, every person here has been created by you. And we celebrate that. And every person here has the opportunity to know you in a personal way, Father, through the work that you, Jesus, accomplished. And now, Holy Spirit, you're doing in us. Those of us who know you, we celebrate it, we praise you, and we're asking now that we can go deeper and farther with you than maybe we've ever gone in our lives. Or maybe we are some of those we've gotten stuck along the way, gotten bogged down with life and the things that have been thrown at us. And we're asking now, Holy Spirit, that you give light, you give life, you bring freedom, that we as a people can honestly say, we're loving you with all our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. We're loving others as ourselves. And because of that, we are desperately and intentionally seeking to share your reality, Christ, with those that you place in our lives, family, friends, co-workers, whoever it may be. That your word that changes and transforms can be free. And Lord, if we've been slack in getting into your word and knowing your word and reading and studying and listening to your word. Let us just make those corrections today by your help, Holy Spirit. God, we pray this in your precious name. Lord Jesus, we pray it in your name. In your name, Jesus, we pray this. Transform us. Continue to transform us. We are those new creatures in you. And we give you praise in Christ's name. Amen.